serving up the best planet in the world. Welcome to Hand of Pod. and gentlemen, those are the words of one of our guests this evening, who's from Cordoba, no less. Well, Fly that's praise indeed. Welcome that's what you what you think, actually, because as, as you, you may remember. Yeah, I was I was living in Cordoba. Yeah, yeah. But for the sake of my own ego, I'm going to say that somebody from Cordoba <laughs> says that I pour the best fun in the world. Um, I'm joined. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Tony, whose voice you've just heard. Oh, uh, hello, everybody. And also by Andres. Hello, for the ones who missed me, I am here. Good to see you again, Andres, after three long winter months, Yes, as Fran and I were discussing last week. Um, last week, assuming that you listened to it, everybody, not you two, but people here on the other side of the microphone, um, you will have been filled in by the winter madness. We've got a little bit more information to give you since then, uh, but the main central piece of news is that football will definitely be starting this coming Friday, unless it doesn't, uh, <laughs> because... The captains of the Primera and lower division clubs are currently meeting in the Players' Union um, here in Buenos Aires, and God knows what they might all say when they come out of that meeting. We'll just keep our fingers crossed, and we're going to assume while we record um, that we are previewing the new season. We're also going to be previewing Argentina's upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Uruguay and Venezuela briefly, because there will be no hand of pod next week, um, because I'm off to Mendoza to watch Argentina v Uruguay. So, yeah, that'll be nice. Um, so, yeah, I think that the players that are, are meeting with uh, Sergio Marchi, the president of the hmm. union, players' union, is, has more to do with the, the, the that they are not uh, uh, they are not good with him, that they, they want elections. Uh, because, okay. they, of course... So, he, there's, there's not much chance they're going to strike? I don't think so. Well, you never know, but... Uh, this is Argentina. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, but I think that it has more to do with that Marchi, the president, hasn't been very. Uh, he didn't defend the, the players the way they did. It. They, they, they should. They should. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, and has more to do with that, but we don't. We don't know. As, as he said, we are in Argentina. So, so we'll keep, our, as I say, reasonably confident then, especially after what Andres has just said that that this isn't going to result in in the season being called off again. We also have at some point in the podcast, as I talk over the wanker down there being a boy racer with his revving his engine um, we also are going to have at some point a 10 or 15 minute interview I'm not sure exactly how long it is because I haven't edited it down yet um, with Jonathan Wilson um, all about the writing process of his new book Angels with Dirty Faces which is as uh, those of you who know who he is are probably aware um, about the history of Argentine football um, which has come out very recently um, so stay tuned for that in the meantime, um, a v- brief update, basically, from uh, what myself and Fran said last week, where we, as I said already, uh, gave a rundown of what went on over the winter. So since then, on... Um, it was Monday, wasn't it? Because today's Wednesday. So on Monday, Armando Perez, who is the president of the 
Normalisation Committee at the AFA. We can't exactly call him AFA president at the moment, even though that is effectively what he is. Um, came out and confirmed that football is definitely going to be on uh, on Friday. And it wasn't really confirmed, but he was very strongly saying it was. And on Tuesday night, the um, various clubs, including the lower divisions, all signed an agreement with the AFA, which will result in the season beginning this coming weekend, possibly only in the Primera, the Primera B, Primera C, Primera D, Torneo Federal B, and Torneo, whatever the hell the Torneo del Interior is called these days, I can't remember. Um, because the Nacional B, which is the second division, and the Torneo Federal A, which is the interior uh, bit of the third division, are still at loggerheads regarding exactly when some of the money is going to be paid. So they might not start this weekend. But uh, the, basically the only thing that most of our listeners care about is I, that the Primera is back. I read that they, sh- they will start the other weekend. Mm. Not this one, but the 1st of September, uh, when the, the, the qualifiers will be taking place. And uh, we're in for an interesting little while as well, because the agreement that's been paid is basically about unpaid television money from parts of the first half of this year and then how, how the money for, for the rest of this year is going to be paid. Um, and the agreement that's been reached only goes as far as December, but of course we're about to start a season, a whole season rather than a half season. Um, so we might well get to December or January and then find that they don't want to start the second half of the season. Because as Armando Perez said on over the weekend, was it Saturday, Sunday, or something he came out and said, um, we assume that we are going to get a better offer than the current government deal. If we don't, then we're in trouble. <laughs> So it's honest, but it might not be the best bargaining chip, really. Uh, yeah, here's another good, you know, uh, saying things on the media. I, I also read the, something like, well, if we start, we start, and if we don't, we don't. And I, I don't know if it's the best tactic to, to talk like that, uh, being the, the head of whatever the hell it is. They did a marketing course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, indeed. Um, what uh, we know is that Fútbol para won't be... Uh, Occurring during 2017, uh, it will be an end to football battles. The, the free uh, football for everyone uh, won't be in 2017. No, indeed. Although it will, it should still be free to air in theory because the government are going to be continuing to insist that it remains free to air until 2019. Although, as Tony, who has recently moved to the capital from the interior, I'm sure will um, be able to tell us it's not necessarily free to air all over the country anyway. Um, not every single match at least because some channels aren't broadcast in some parts of the country mm-hmm. um, but that's you know the, the basic stuff now let's get on with on pitch matters that was me clapping my hands together sorry I forget that noises sometimes are a bit confusing uh, when you have them out of context um, on pitch stuff which is the stuff that Fran and I deliberately stayed away from last week so gents uh, I don't really like looking at the transfer market over the winter or the summer. I find it very boring. Um, but we now are at the point where we have to ask who's had a good one and who's had a bad one for you? Which clubs? Well, uh, Boca has, as always, has been hiring a lot of players, signing, I think, the same amount of players that have gone. I think 10 and 10 or something like that. Uh, so because of the money they have been spending, I think they are natural candidates. Uh, and then the other the, the other 29 teams are behind them 
So well, piling the pressure onto the rivals than Andres. Yes. I think actually they paying uh, or are getting more pressure upon them. You know, one of the main criticism of Ancelotti as as president is the amount of crazy money he's spending and not getting as much titles as they would like to have. Uh, that's also the gamble on, on Guillermo as, as the coach. Um, but they they did a lot of of work in the transfer, even with with supposedly good names. Uh, what was the the Colombian one from Portland? I don't remember the name. Quintero. Sebastian Perez. Well. There are three Colombians right now. Yeah. Sebastian Perez uh, that has been has arrived the, the the other day. Wilmar Barrios, I think, another one who has been signed uh, recently, and uh, Fabra who has already. Yeah, but there's, there's one from Portland was offered. I, I guess I will, it was I'll, Quintero. I'll go through all of them. This is according to Ole. Um, so this may or may not be completely up to date, and indeed, because it's Ole, it may or may not be completely accurate. Um, but the names in for Boca over the winter break are uh, three of the names that Fran and I spoke about last week because, of course, they were signed before the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores. Walter Bo, Fernando Suki, Dario Benedetto, Santiago Bergini as well, um, and also other signings into Boca. Fernando Tobio, Ricardo Centurion, Sebastián Pérez, Wilma Barrios... Axel Werner, Nazareno Solis, uh, who joined like yesterday, I think, the mm-hmm. Tacheres. Um, Jonathan Silva, Lisandro Magashan, Gonzalo Castellani, and Leandro Marin. Um, Jonathan Silva is not, in fact, a new arrival, but they've uh, renegotiated his um, line. I, I assume Castellani and Marin won't be there, but okay. It's... Yeah, they're yeah, back from loans, they're probably yeah. going to be loaned out again, aren't they? Uh, and they have let go Agustin Orion, Daniel Diaz, Nicolás Lodero, Cristian Herbes, Andrés Chávez, Marcelo Meli, Sebastián Palacios, Alexis Rolín, Juan Cruz Comar, Nicolás Penegas, uh, Cristian Moreno and Ariane Pucheta. Well, youngsters. Don't know who that is. Yeah. I don't know who any of those last three are. Youngsters or, or, or players that have been on loan and came back and then again yeah. went mm-hmm. out. Well, one of the things I heard uh, or read about Boca is that in order to, to get one of the Colombians, they have to get rid of Cubas. And it's like, Cubas is maybe one of the best players that came out of Boca in the last five years. Put it in context, of course. Five years. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe. I'm not but also, it's, it's always compilated in Boca with the amount of money they spend and all the circus around. Uh, but probably they they don't get the, the result that they want. Yes, uh, Sebastián Pérez, Pablo Pérez, Bentancourt, uh, are a lot of players there. In, in the Olympics. middle, yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, I don't know what will happen with Cuba. So you say perhaps they will they will get rid of him or something like that. We'll have to see, I guess. And and one of the the, the things uh, I expect from this list of players that came in. Are the, the the one from Talleres, Salis? Uh, I think that he will make a a good impact if he have the the chance, uh, along with Warner from Tatiana Rafaela. I think that but because they don't have the pressure of of the, of the money. I, those perhaps Warner not because uh, before Orion, if Orion wouldn't have let uh, the, the club, mm-hmm. uh, Warner would have been there in the, as a third goalkeeper. Now he will be, I think, the substitute of 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 Sarah. Sarah. Uh, but Solis, uh, I, 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 at least I heard this, that he will be more a bet than uh, something real that they perhaps will uh, give him a loan or to put them put him into the team, but not right now. Yeah, uh, my point is, I think it will be like like Pawan. 
Yes. Like, he came from the Shedders and... Yeah. Um, we may as well go through the big five very quickly in similar fashion. We're not just going to list transfers, but try and pick out a few of... Essentially, Ole have picked out the main names for us already, but highlighted them, so let's talk about these ones. Um, Independiente have brought in Gabriel Milito as manager. I'm pretty sure they did that before the end of last season. Didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. So let's not bother talking about him. Um, and they have also brought in Juan Sanchez Mino, whose career never really seems to have taken off properly, as we were expecting it to when he first broke into Boca's team. Um, he has come in on loan, hasn't he, from Cruzeiro? It doesn't say uh, here, he, that's what I'm asking. Wasn't he at, in Torino or in some other club in Italy? Yeah, he was in Torino. Oh, that does sound And then play for Estudiantes. Well, yeah, it gets complicated. <laughs> anyway, so he might or might not turn out to be a decent signing, because, you know, it could say he's decent enough in his position, but he's never quite hit the heights that he was expected to. Um, and they've let go a bunch of players, and I don't know, what are we expecting of Independiente this year? Just more... Party at the front, party in the back, I guess. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't expect much from Independiente. I mean, Milito is a good uh, coach, but they, they still have a, a lot of wood to chop before they get a decent team. Mm. Yeah, they've let go a lot of players. So they've brought in, apart from Sanchez Mino, just Nicolas Figal and Damian Martinez they've signed. And they've let go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11... 12 players at a quick count. Well, they have a demanding uh, debut this season because uh, they will play Lanús for the Copa Sudamericana, I think. So that would be an interesting Oh, that's match. tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that tomorrow night? Or t- no, tonight's Estudiantes against... Uh, yes, tomorrow, I think. Estudiantes against somebody. Uh, Direct TV's uh, programme hasn't... Belgrano. Oh, of course, the corner of so, Thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, Independiente de Lanús is on Thursday evening and it's going to be overshadowed somewhat by the second leg of the Recopa um, final between the two winners of 2015 <laughs> Continental Cups because that's how we rolled in South America um, do either of you know why they decided to move this to August because it always used to be in February until about three years ago yes, no. that made far more sense yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all um, anyway back to the transfer well, what, what can expect of Connebol they, they just said that they want to invite the Latin European nations to the Copa America. So what what can you expect from Comneval? Mm. True. Um, back to the markets. Racing, we're going through the big five, as I said already, um, have been very active. They signed Agustin Orion after he left Boca on a free transfer. That'll be a popular signing, won't it, with yes. the fans? You like it or not, he's experienced goalkeeper and... and and well, yesterday uh, and I, I, I watched part of the match against uh, uh, well, uh, Copa Argentina match that I forgot right now. Who played Olimpo. Uh, Olimpo. Thank you. Uh, and he had a good uh, uh, match again mm. until the last play of the match in which... Yeah, I missed uh, the... Um, I, well, I didn't miss the match, I just didn't watch it. Uh, miss it would imply that I wanted to catch it. Um, but they were showing the replays of it on TSA this afternoon, which I was watching, and they were saying that Orion was basically the reason that Racing didn't lose the game. Um, he's, of course, been brought in to replace Sebastián Saja, who, as we discussed last week, um, left the club over the winter. Um, I think in terms of quality, it's, it's you know, very like for like, similar level as goalkeepers, very similar styles as goalkeepers, albeit Saha is maybe a bit less of a complete arsehole than Orion. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just the, the goalkeeping qualities, um, very similar players. So in that respect, there should be some continuity. In fact, Saha, I think, made the same career at Racing 
not the same but similar if you want as Orion at Boca uh, because they were a lot of time I think five years both or something like that what a title each yes. yeah um, other players in uh, Diego Gonzalez who is um, as Ole said has had various frustrated um, chances before to sign for Racing and, and now actually has signed for them he's a he's a supporter of Racing the little octopus yeah um, who could prove a very useful player I yeah. think um, Emmanuel Insua and Santiago Rosales and then a couple of others so yeah decent enough stuff Rosales I've said I don't know much about have been mentioned to go oh, to River uh, also Rosales yeah. from Aldo City isn't it yes number yeah. 10 for the city yes. yeah. Uh, yeah I was getting his first name wrong for some reason um, but yeah interesting yes. bunch I'm assuming that Rosales is being signed as a sort of replacement for Roger Martinez and Rodrigo De Paul who mm-hmm. both left for rather different sums of money although that's partly because De Paul of course was on loan um, Roger Martinez went to was it 8 million dollars or something to go to China China yes, yes. for a 23 year old which is um, remarkable I would say if you're you know, one of our Chinese listeners then you've got a fantastic player but uh, I don't think we have many because um, WordPress which is obviously where we stick the, the posts up is uh, apparently not very easily gettable in China so I've never spotted any Chinese listeners coming up on our, um, on our listener figures um, obviously Luciano Lolo has, has gone to Reba um, and Diego Milito has retired as we discussed at the end of last season so we might discuss it again now and Saba has been sacked uh, as a manager yeah. in, in a strange yeah. situation. Which we talked about last week, and now I would like to ask your two opinions about it as well, because Fran and I both thought it was a bit daft. Um, any idea why, why they didn't just do it at the end of last they, season? I think they yeah. didn't like him, uh, and they wait, waited for a match to lose, uh, to sack him, because mm-hmm. uh, Blanco, Victor Blanco, the president, said the other day that uh, they thought that he could uh, turn this r- around and, and, and they gave him time and the time was one match. Uh, so I think that they, they liked him and wanted him to go. And they waited, expected a match to lose. And it was one basically pre-season friendly. Yes. A match between the winners of the 2014 Torneo de Transición and the 2016 Torneo de Transición. Yes, now you put the friendly a, a, a name and you say it's a cup, a Copa Bicentenario and, and, and Racing lost and that sounds impressive. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, you, I know you have many Racing listeners but this is a very Racing thing to do. Yes, indeed. The number of players they've let go, though, bloody hell. Apart from, so Milito's retired, Saha went, obviously, at the same time as Milito. Lolo got sold to River, Martinez got sold to China, to, uh, specifically, sorry, to Jiangsu Juning, and I apologise to Chinese listeners if I've mispronounced that. Rodrigo de Paul uh, goes back on loan, or sorry, goes back from his loan period in Racing and, and returns to Valencia. And other players who have left Racing are Ricardo Noé, Germán Boboril, Carlos Núñez, Facundo Pereira, Washington Camacho, Jonathan Cabral, Claudio Kovalan, Damian Schmidt, Esteban Savelhic, who's the uh, Slovenian international. Mm-hmm. Um, Facundo Without knowing any, any no, but, not, nothing, anything about the, the language, you know. That? But this list no. is, is, is they, they include the players that haven't been playing there, but this, they were. Yeah, it basically just means that the Racing correspondent at Ole is a bit more conscientious yeah. about noting down all of the single movements that that, yeah. that the other um, big five correspondents haven't bothered, doesn't it? But that's still a hell of a lot of. Perez Guedes, and Perez Guedes has, hasn't been playing at Racing. No, no, Racing was the owner of the of the uh, rights. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. 
Yes, he came back on loan from yes. Tempele and they've now left loaned him out again. Or so given a word, same on. situation. Yes. Uh, River signings. We have in. Um, I completely forgot about Marcelo La Rondo last week, and I almost forgot about it again this week. Um, and Luciano Lolo, who we've mentioned from uh, Racing. Enrique Bologna to probably be second choice goalkeeper behind Augusto Batasha, who steps up from the bench, obviously, after Marcelo Barovero left the club. Um, Ivan Rossi, who might turn out to be a good signing. Yes, he might played against Estudiantes de San Luis, I think. He entered into the match for the Copa Argentina. He wasn't bad, but now he was uh, with some problems, I think, the uh, same as Mora, uh, Anginas, sore throat. Hmm. He's 22, he's a bit slightly younger than yes. I thought, so perhaps all for the future. Um, Jorge Moreira, who I know nothing about, having not really been aware of who he was when he was at Libertad, um, I which one he was, I mean, I've caught a couple of their games, but... Um, and Arturo Mina, who was arguably the best centre-back of the Copa Libertadores, just gone from Independiente de Valle. Um, Andres, you're the River fan. Tony, I can't remember who you support, sorry, before we... My family is support Boga, so okay. supposedly, Super. you can say, yeah. Andres, as the River fan, um, you must feel, I, I would think, reasonably satisfied with the names in. Yes, not sure about Bologna, but uh, unless... Uh, uh, Batasha gets injured, we won't see him uh, being the goalkeeper. Uh, and yes, I am uh, 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 satisfied with Moreira, the, the Paraguayan uh, right back uh, who has been playing at Liber for Libertad all of his career. And now a River has shown in a few appearances that he's a good replace for Mercado, not the same kind of player, but uh, he likes to go right to the attack, and, and I like that. Then Mina, yes, as you said, is, uh, has been solid, solid in the, the Copa Libertadores, and well, we'll have to see still La Ronda and Lolo when they get back from their injuries. Mm. Yeah, Lolo's out for, well, they signed yeah. him, and, and it was said he was going to be out for two months, but the delay to the season means that that was about a month ago already, so he's probably going to miss, what, the first yes. three matches or something? Mm -hmm. Yes, and but tomorrow they can be both La Ronda and, and Lolo, perhaps in the in the substitutes bench. We don't know, but they could. Oh be. well, okay. So he might not be out for very long at all. Um, I'm surprised about the La Ronda. I mean, Montreal bought him, then sent it to River. No, finally no, River uh, got him on a. Uh, they paid the close the the. The release clause. But you're right to bring it up because that was something that we did. We mentioned La Ronda last week, but I forgot to. Uh, Explain this among all the other winter craziness that we had. There was a big standoff between Rosario Central and Riva Plate over Marcelo Larondo because he had um, two different release clauses in his contract with Central, one of which was for domestic clubs and one of which was for international clubs. And obviously, the international club one was significantly lower because Central didn't want to sell him to a domestic rival. Um, and the story that was out for, I mean, three or four days, it was being reported that Montreal Impact had signed him, that the money had already changed hands, that he'd signed for them, and that River were signing him off Montreal Impact at a significantly lower cost than his domestic release clause had been at Central. Um, and Central were really pissed off with River and were accusing them of lacking codigos or, or ethics, I suppose is the best translation. Um, and River was saying, no, look, as far as we know, he's a Montreal player. That's what all the, the media are saying. We've not signed him. Um, and then it transpired he'd not actually signed for Montreal at all. 
and River ended up agreeing to pay his release clause to Central the, for the fee that Central wanted or something. It was very, very confusing. The, the, very, very Argentine as They well. finally, finally paid one more million, I think, than the, their original price. Mm. As a, for Central to be glad with the, with the same money yeah. and, and not to say that they, were, they betrayed them. Lest, lest we get accused as, obviously, a River sympathizer and Andres uh, a River fan, Uh, lest we get accused of trying to um, whitewash something. <laughs> clearly, clearly something was going on under yes. the table here. It yes. would not surprise Indeed. me at all. Well, something like, like Taleri with Maldonado and the yeah. stuff. Yes. Indeed. But in, in the end, um, the transfer went down as Central straight to River. Oh, okay. Um, so yes. that was all completely above board and nothing Wh at all. Why, is, why on earth are, are these release clauses and then when they want to pay it, they say, oh, no, never... They, did, they never did this. This is uh, something... It included tax. They've not paid the tax. Yes. All that kind of stuff. Um, but also, uh, another reason that I was slightly surprised by that was just that La Rondo hasn't looked sort of groundbreakingly good at any club apart from Central, really, through his career. And he's been at River before. Um, so it's a gamble for them, particularly the amount of money they've signed, uh, signed him for. But... Possibly not as big a gamble as um, the man who Rosario Central have chosen to replace Marcelo Larondo, who we will get onto in a minute. Um, keeping on with River for a moment, uh, they obviously have brought in a fair number of names in a fair number of positions who are going to be starters and who are good players, and they needed to, because their players out include Marcelo Barrovero, who is the, now I think we can call him just legendary um, goalkeeper, Leonel Mangioni, Gabriel Mercado, Eder Alvarez Palanta to Basel we would have been surprised at that choice of destination if you'd asked us a couple of years ago where we thought he was going to end up um, Emmanuel Mamana has left already Lucho Gonzalez um, has left and doesn't really have a new club yet but he's about 73 or something anyway so who knows whether he'll play again Leonardo Pisculici has gone Nicolas Bertolo <laughs> um, and Tabaret Viudes neither of whom really managed to ever get going but both of whom won the Libertadores of course Piscolici has the same situation like that, that Gonzalez, Lucho Gonzalez, mm. uh, has no club right now, but uh, there has been a, something complicated with his uh, uh, contract uh, resign, not resign. Uh, Expiration. Uh, yes, you know, the contract ends because uh, the, he had one more year of contract and, and he wanted to terminate it, to, oh, okay. to interrupt it. And River, I didn't know uh, if. I don't know if uh, River was okay with that because well okay bring us a, a, an offer because mm -hmm. you are you are you belong to us and yeah he, he should have tried to buy out yeah. the yeah um, the difference the main difference with Lucho Gonzalez is that Piscolici is only 32 so he might still be useful to somebody somewhere yes. um, whereas Lucho Gonzalez is a player that I loved um, from well from his previous spell at River in fact because one of the very first matches I remember watching was that. An astonishingly Metadoris semi-final against Boca when he scored late on um, but who frankly didn't really get going um, on his return to the club Thanks, unfortunately um, so plenty of big names out plenty of names who've played a big part in Rivers Gio Simeone is glory out Gio Simeone who I think uh, we have a question about him yes we do which we'll get on to later but yeah I mean I'd be yes. slightly less sort of disappointed with Gio Simeone leaving Um, mainly because he wasn't a guaranteed starter I think if he had been he could have offered something but uh, he still obviously wasn't going to be yeah we have to wait what happened with, with Lario finally he was going to stay 
I mean, I everyone agree with, I guess. Alario, that at the moment, I think he's staying. Yes, yeah, apparently he will stay because uh, the one who wanted him was Inter, and Icardi finally mm. renewed his contract with Inter, okay. thanks to Guadalajara, his, his wife. And his tactics on Twitter. Yes, <laughs> and, and so uh, apparently for uh, the rest of the year he will be, because 15 million euro was the release clause, plus, uh, talking about release clauses, and Inter was about to pay it, or he want, they wanted to pay it, but finally, until 2017, Alario will stay, apparently. Okay. Um, San Lorenzo have let Juan Mercier go after making a whole big song and dance and effectively getting rid of um, Pablo Guede as manager because he didn't get on with Mercier. <laughs> so, okay. And uh, Nicolas Blandi has... Um, been bought out in full because apparently they only bought half of him from Boca before mm-hmm. and they've now paid for the rest two years after signing him yes again <laughs> welcome to Argentina um Quartas without interest over that period of time um they have brought in Diego Aguirre to replace Gede uh Fabrizio Colocini has finally come back to San Lorenzo our Newcastle supporting um followers will be delighted to hear <laughs> Tino Costa has also arrived after about what feels like about 50 years of him saying that he wants to go back to San Lorenzo one day. Um, and Matias Corujo, who we know very little about, or at least who I know very little about, um, has arrived from Universidad That may have to Chile. do with Aguirre, who is Uruguayan, so that's... Yes, uh, Corujo arrives from Universidad de Chile, but is Uruguayan, so you're yes. quite right, Andres. They, they, in fact, it says here, uh, Diego Aguirre knows him because he, he managed him at Peñarol. Um, they've signed a couple of others as well and the main names out for them are Julio Buffarini, Mauro Matos, Hector Vichelba, Pablo Barrientos and as I say uh, Juan Mercier so no Mercier I'm sorry Mercier's renewed his contract I was misreading that completely so that's nice Um, that's of course that makes far more sense now after uh, obviously Gede leaving because he didn't get on with him Um, so yeah again important names out promising names in for San Lorenzo more of the same, possibly, except, of course, that we have seen them already in proper competitive action. I don't count the Red Copa Sudamericana first leg as competitive action because it's meaningless. Um, but uh, although probably, I mean, River would take it seriously, so maybe we should count it. They, they drew nil-nil in the first leg last week away to Independiente Santa Fe. The, the second leg is on Thursday evening. Um, we saw San Lorenzo last night against Banfield um, looking rather flat, really. Banfield scored about two seconds into the game, but San Lorenzo didn't have much of a... Poor San Lorenzo response. or good Banfield? Banfield is, it was, I think, showed the best uh, version with Falcioni, which is be effective when they, they, they attack and then to defend the, the, the difference, and they did it well. Yeah, um, they were good in the first half particularly. They, Banfield won 2 now. sorry, I didn't say the score. Um, both goals came in the first half, and in the second it was just sort of a bit... Banfield sort of kept them at arm's length so whether that's a sign of what we can expect you know a very impressive campaign from Banfield or whether it means that San Lorenzo aren't very good or a bit of both or indeed neither because it's just the Copa Sudamericana preliminary stage um, remains to be seen um, I'm going to scroll very quickly through the other clubs now and just try and pick out one or two names um, Banfield themselves we might as well talk about uh, Nicolas Bertolo of course has come back from River after not really setting the world on fire there um, and Ivan Rossi has gone off to River so they've replaced one 
guy who was going to River with another guy coming back from River. Um, and obviously Giovanni Simeone also went back to well, River after loan. I was about to say that, that in this last few years there's been a kind of relationship between River and Banfield. Almeida Aiden, was obviously. The, 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 yeah, by yes, Almeida. Coach, yeah. Um, who's still the manager there, isn't he? No, he was in Mexico. No, oh, Chivas. yeah. Of course it was. It's anyway. Who's the manager at Banfield? <laughs> Falcioni Thank you Well done Andres. That came back uh, An historic uh, coach of I was just testing yeah. <laughs> Honest um, Yeah So Possibly decent work From, from Banfield They're always a club Who uh, end up Potentially surprising us um, The biggest news Managerially In the whole division Arguably Is that Ricardo Sielinski Is no longer the boss At Belgrano de Córdoba um, Esteban Gonzalez is making his is it his debut tonight? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He retired from football yes. and yeah. um, away from home this evening in La Plata against the Estudiantes in the Copa Sudamericana. Obviously, um, as usual, I will be back after the theme music at the end of the show to tell you what the score of that match was or is going to be or whichever turns I need to address it in now. Um, but yeah, Esteban Gonzalez in as manager. Matias Suarez um, also has been brought in the forward from Anderlecht. Germán um, Montoya is back. He's still playing, you know? Yeah, the goalkeeper. Yeah. He must be. I mean, I joked about Lucho Gonzalez being old earlier, but Montoya actually might be about 73 by now. He's a, a very old man. Um, well, they have now two old goalkeepers with long hair. With a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, oh, very good point. We will yeah. see how, how Belgrano will, will be interesting. To see how Belgrano responds to a new manager after six, five or six years of of Zielinski, which is it's a big number. For and one without experience. Yeah. And Tony, you're I guess uh, during this season going to be almost by default our Cordoba correspondent. Okay. Um, what do you think of both Belgrano and also Tacheres, um for for the season? Because of course Tacheres are now back in the Primera. Well, I, I think that Tacheres have a really big test in front of them. They have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, to explain that much, but they basically uh, owned by the same people, the Pachuca, the, the team from Mexico. Oh, wow. So they have this, that relationship. It's like a, a, a parent club or something like that. So they have a lot of money. They, um, but they didn't make a lot of, of big signings or something that can make them stay in Primera, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have very bad results in the preseason. I think that Belgrano, well, it's been kind of tradition of Belgrano to make people come back, like uh, Picante Pereira and or Chiqui Perez, who was on loan after leaving Tuoca. So it's kind of a tradition to Belgrano to to come back to the roots and make the the, the people, the fans, fi- uh, finally happy with. With Matias Suarez after two or three years, I want to sign him. So maybe they, they have a the normal maybe 10, 15 position and try to get to the to the Sudamericana. And I think that the best, the biggest test of Belgrano um, is to finally leave Argentina in a in a South American Cup. Mm-hmm. They make jokes about it because Tacheres won one cup, and Belgrano never left Argentina uh, to play a, a football game. So maybe that's the, the biggest test. In the, in the Belgrano season. And yeah, just looking quickly at uh, jumping ahead the alphabetical order after the big five that we were, that I was going down in, but since you mentioned Tacheres' signings, Javier Gandolfi is a name that I remember from 
a long time ago, I think, unless it's a different Gandolfi that I'm thinking of, but Daniel Ludueña. Didn't know he was still playing. Yeah. Yes. He's in Mexico. Yeah. Yes. That's, and the, that's the Daniel Ludueña who used to play for River, right? Yes. Yeah. The same one. And Palacios from Boca. Told you they have money. Yeah. So, yeah, that, as you said, they could, um, they could go very well or they might not go very well. Um, we, it remains to be seen. Uh, going back up to Belgrano so that we can start scrolling down again. Uh, where are we? Bloody hell. You have 30 teams to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we are. Right, that's Belgrano. Colón, uh, Paolo Montero comes in as um, DT manager. Interesting decision. I remember when he retired from playing and World Soccer began their, pre, uh, their article about it as uh, shares in World Shinpad manufacturers plummeted today on the news that Paolo Montero has hung up his boots. Um, I did not know that he'd become a manager. I hope that his team play with as much abandon as he did as a player. If he does, if they do, then uh, we're in for some very dirty challenges this year. Um, <laughs> beyond that, we won't say very much about them. Well, Colin, Colin doesn't make any any. They have a, a very uh, thin situation in the economics, so doesn't don't expect big things. Precisely, from, from Colin, so. generally chaotic in the boardroom, as we've talked about at times um, in the last couple of years. So yeah, it's um, it's a difficult club to do anything at I guess as a manager um, Rodrigo Brania is back again at Estudiantes this must be about his fourth spell at Estudiantes mm-hmm. um, I'm surprised he's still playing too yeah yes. I would be if he hadn't been with Kilmes so we've seen him obviously relatively recently but yeah he is 38 something like that something yes. like that Mariano Andujar is also back from Napoli apparently um, Gaston Fernandez is leaving that's going to be again. a big blow who have they signed up front to replace him Javier Toledo, okay. That's, that's a very big uh, They're probably going to play a, a youngster. The students have a long history of, yeah, of strikers. Or maybe Carrillo, because he's still there, isn't he? I think. Oh, no, he's not. He left last year. What do we think? You know, Carrillo. In Monaco. Yeah. Still in Monaco. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm surprised boost. about Gil Romero, who, who was uh, one of the best uh, midfielders, uh, central midfielders, and now he's uh, going again to the defensa. Apparently, yeah, he, they loaned him to Central last season, and now they've loaned him out to Defensio Justicia, which is it's bizarre. I mean, he's a really good midfielder who could have been moving up to a league like yeah. Portugal. You know what? Anyone who played full manager will remember. Exactly. Yeah. Now it looks like Ascasibar took his place at, at mm-hmm. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ascasibar, as it happens, is one of the few players mm-hmm. who everybody was absolutely delighted with, but almost um, at the Olympics. Uh, obviously in a fairly underwhelming performance otherwise. Um, Gimnasia, same names that we're always familiar with for them, in and out. Nothing real to report at Godoy Cruz or Akan. Juan Chope Avila hasn't gone. To Cruzeiro, yes. Indeed. Big loss for them. Yeah, there, there was, that was a name, name for, for Boca. Mm. He wanted to play for Boca. Well, but when Boca, Boca is like a, like an octopus, wanted wanting oh, to yes. sign every player that is there, and and now it's Vergesio the one who has been linked. With Boca. Well, again, saying something about football manager, the Boca seems like football manager. You yes. sign every player you can yes. possibly sign. Yes, it will be difficult to, for for them to replace because uh, uh, there was a time in which Avila scored every every goal of Huracan. It was goal of Huracan was scored by Avila. Mm. It was like that. 
and if it wasn't, then it was set up by him. Yeah. Um, Lanús we need to talk about because, of course, they are the reigning champions of Argentina. Um, and also the reigning bicentennial champions of Argentina. Presumably they get to keep that cup for 200 years before the next one. Um, who have they signed? They've brought in Santiago Surbrigan on a free from Union de Santa Fe. That's a good signing. Yeah. I, I, like, I like Santiago. I uh, so of course, in Santa Fe there was like a, a war because you, you will get to that when you get to, to Union. But many, many important players from Union left for a free or for nothing, mm. to, to call it in a way. And Santiago, it's, it was a... Uh, a very valued player in, in in Union, and he left obviously to Lanús to play Libertadores and and, and get more uh, exposition to maybe get to Europe. And I, I think he he will see it really well to to Lanús. Yeah, and he's he's versatile as well. He can play across the back line, so that's going to be a, a big help for them. Once, as you say, once they start the Libertadores campaign and need to rotate. Um, Ciro Rios is an interesting one from Defensa Justicia. Brian Montenegro. Uh, who we've seen in Argentina before, haven't we? He's coming from Nacional in Uruguay now, but no, Since, Nacional in Paraguay, sorry. Um, but he's he's, uh, he's Paraguayan now because uh, Tino Costa is Argentinian, but has never been playing in, in Argentina. Yes, the same. Right. The very first club is San Lorenzo. And Brian Montenegro played for. I'm sure he played in Argentina a while back, didn't he? Oh, right. I think if so, I'm thinking of another Brian possibly. Um, Montenegro. Uh, yeah, I mean, decent. Players, yeah, because nobody really flashy, but they've just they've strengthened the squad fairly. Quietly. Yes, because apart from Gustavo Gomez and Victor Ayala, uh, they did there weren't a lot of players uh, that left. Uh, no, well, Benitez is is the, the big Benitez. one, and you know how do you yes. replace him? But I guess they have to have faith in 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 the youth system for that, really. Yes. Ciro Rios um, will be the one who replace Junior Benitez. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Pablo Malche is off as well, but possibly. Who will miss Maltin in a team? Precisely, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? He's clearly a very talented player, but it's Pablo Malche, so... Mm. Um, Newells have got some renewing to do. How do we think they're going to do? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's maybe the, the question for any any team besides yeah. the Big Five. Like, Either they way. can get to South America. No. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that, I, that, that gives me a little less faith that they're going to do well is the fact that they've kept Diego Orsella on as a manager after last season and I didn't really rate him to be honest um, Mauro Matos from San Lorenzo but uh, yeah decent striker but Maxi Rodriguez is not getting any younger and probably remains the most important player really looking at some of these some of the names out and some of the names in so Newell's fans sorry but Difficult to, to feel really. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even see a good footballing play of a style like you will like from Niels, you know, like after many good names in the coaching. Osela no, no. is like clearly the some other guys from Argentina. Clearly, the other team of Rosario had a better signing in terms of attack. Indeed, they did. Uh, we may as well jump through to them now because obviously we're not going to name every single club. There are thirty of them in the Primera. Um, during the Olympics, Teo Gutierrez signed for Rosario Central, which on the one hand means that really I should add him back to my players and managers list on Twitter, but on the other hand I definitely won't be doing that because life is short and you shouldn't waste it looking at Teo Gutierrez Twitter. Yep. Um, it could go magnificently well. On the other hand, particularly with Teo Gutierrez taking orders from Eduardo Caudet, it could go hilariously um, badly for those of us who don't support Rosario Central. Um, 
it certainly, in terms of his style, I think it's in keeping with the style of football that Central have been playing for the last year or so. Um, that much is, is is for sure. He's going to get chances. He's going to score a lot of chances. I think. Um, the question, obviously, with Teo as ever, is just how long is it going to take before he starts waving a gun around the changing room or I don't know, pulls his dick out in Parque Independencia or something like that. Um, you never know. Elsewhere, Marco Tosiglieri is in from Morelia in Mexico. Mauricio Martinez is in from Unión de Santa Fe, another one of the players that they appear to have let go on a free. Um, and, yeah, I mean, some decent... Name. Oh, Washington Camacho as well in from Racing. That's it. But those those three, the Teo Teres, Tosiglieri and, and Martinez, are, are really good signings. Yeah. They are indeed. Hernan Menose is the other who uh, I do not know from Once Caldas in Colombia, but he is Uruguayan, and we'll see. We will see. Uh, names out, of course, at Central, there have been a few. Uh, Franco Servi has finally left six months after Benfica uh, bought him. They let him stay at Central for six months, so he's off. Giovanni Locelso is off to Paris Saint-Germain. That's interesting. Although he's not going until December because they've done the same thing that Benfica mm-hmm. did earlier in the year. So they've got him for the first six months at least. Um, the bit of the season that's definitely going to be played, in other words. Alejandro Donati is out. That's a big um, blow to the defence. Marcelo Larondo, of course, uh, we talked about earlier. who has gone to River. Pablo Alvarez is off as well. So they've sort of had a bit of a gutting of the squad, but seem by and large to have replaced them, I think, with, with players who can do the job. Yes. Um, San Martín will skip over, Samiento we can skip over I think now. For, oh, except that Samiento have uh, changed managers. Gabriel Schura has replaced Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, who I think probably um, left in the expectation of getting the national team job, as we mentioned last week, uh, <laughs> yes. but did not end up getting the national team job, fortunately for all concerned. That depends on what you want of the national team. Yes. <laughs> uh, he, he, he could be a good uh, project for the... For the Youth, uh, under 20 uh, national team. You reckon? Yeah, well, I suppose well, he's good at identifying players that no one else Yes, they, they are looking for a, for a manager. I think they are. They will go do the same thing that they did with the, the, the national team. The, the oh, you're right. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, they, they have an advert up on their website at the moment. This might interest some of our listeners. Um, so if you have a record at uh, coaching youth teams, then you can send your CV into the advert and they will consider you. But literally, that's what it says on the website. We have friends that will do any applications. So, football manager CV applicants, take a look. Um, Diego Morales is back uh, at Tigre, and um, Olivier Benitez, Oliver Benitez, sorry, but not Oscar Benitez, um, is in on loan for from Gimnasia, but otherwise, not much. Eric Correa is off to Olimpo. Which is a bizarre one because that's a player. There, well. there was a time in which there were four or five Correas in, in Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very in confusing. Eric was one that I liked, and I'm a little confused. It sort of feels like a sideways move to Olympo, and I thought he could have moved up. Um, Union, as um, I forgot your name, as Tony, <laughs> sorry, Tony, no problem, said a minute ago, um, a number of players left Ignacio Malcorra. Claudio Riano, Mauricio Martinez, Santiago Surbrigan, Julio Rodriguez, Santiago Naguel, Enrique Faxioli, Fausto Montero, Juan Gabriel Rivas, Mauro Maidana. You could almost be naming the starting eleven for some matches last season here, couldn't you? Yeah, I think that the, the first three, Malcorra, Riano yeah. and Martinez, are the, and Surbrigan, are the most important. I mean, Malcorra was 
almost the key to many of the goals, scoring from the free kicks or sending the the, the corners. So that's that's maybe the biggest loan. Even our friend uh, Caruso Lombardi said he will be a starter for his national team. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, and Rienio, that maybe you know, it's not the best striker in the world, but he was doing a good job at Union, and he left for like you know, like maybe like a million dollars, and they could have mm. uh, much more money for the, the good season he had. No, exactly. Um, they brought in, I mean, Leonardo Sanchez, Diego Godoy, Juan Carlos Salcedo, decent-ish. Oh, sorry, that's not Salcedo. I thought it was. He's coming from Atlético Policial of Catamarca. I thought it was a different. Something, Salcedo. yeah, yeah. Uh, Something very Union. Federico Anselmo. So, so a decent-ish players, but nobody really drought-breaking. Union signings, I think, in other words, without wanting to offend any Union fans. Um, Venice Sarsfield, the club who eternally could go very well or could go horribly um, Hernan Barcos has come in Hector Cancero, Canteros has come in Gonzalo Diaz has come in Hernan Toledo and Agustin Dofo have left I, don't, I think the name's out of Belles it almost doesn't matter who they let go because they have to just renovate the squad um, another thing that we have seen uh, just today is that Jonas Gutierrez has announced that his agent had talked to Belles but that Belles didn't want to sign him so Jonas Gutierrez is not returning to Belles Southfield um, yeah, many of the other. The names you never know until they start playing. Yeah, the names throughout again. It's more of a football manager cult thing because mm. it's just youngsters that promise a lot, but maybe they they don't get the chances or or they just didn't take off like you think they can. But it's just you know maybe some gambles. Maybe try to not rely so much in the youngsters. Indeed. Especially with, with Barcos up front. Yeah. As I say, with with Vélez it's difficult to tell until the, the season actually starts and then you sort of get a, an idea within the first three or four matches whether they're going to be any good or whether they're going to be awful. Um, the last couple of years they, they've not been very good. So we shall see. Um, I'm now going to put some incidental music on and refill our glasses. And whilst I'm doing that, I'm going to play for the listeners... Uh, the following interview with the respected football writer Jonathan Wilson um, about the writing and about the reasons behind and about some of the interesting stories that he came across during uh, the research for his new book Angels with Dirty Faces um, the history of Argentine football or a history of Argentine football um, which is available from your bookshops at the moment assuming that you live in the English speaking world sorry you guys Um, and indeed me I do have a UK Amazon account so I can get it from there um, so enjoy the interview um, we will be back afterwards for a look at internationals and to answer some listeners questions don't go away Jonathan Wilson, welcome back to Hand of Pod, uh, at something of a distance this time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So, first of all, uh, the, the, the obvious question, uh, at least to, uh, I guess, people who um, are slightly further away from you than, than, than we maybe are, um, 
why Argentine football for your latest book? Well, I think with, with any of these things, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of, um, of interest and opportunity. So, you know, I don't want to sound cynical about this, but there was clearly a gap for a book on Argentinian football that the other major football nations had all had books on their, their history or their culture. And Argentina was, was an obvious, um, uh, you know, there's obviously a book waiting there to be written. And I mean, I'm hugely grateful that nobody got around to doing it before before I came along. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, sorry? I said you're welcome. <laughs> and, um, you know, I first went to Argentina in 2007 when I was researching Inventing Pyramid. And uh, yeah, Buenos Aires was a city that um, you know, I liked immediately, just felt very at home there. I think that sort of sense of faded grandeur really appeals to me. Um and you know, I found the football fascinating as well, uh, partly on a, from a tactical point of view, the, you know, the theories that built up around us, but also you know, to have so many clubs in one city, to have this very odd phenomenon of still huge crowds, still the seventh biggest crowds in the world, the football is actually pretty poor. Um, yes, yeah, so you had this you know, always obviously very deep-rooted uh, love of the game, uh, and it occupied a very central place in... Uh, in Argentinian society, uh, and then you know, the more you you research that, the more you realise it's actually a very self-conscious phenomenon. Going back to the nineteen twenties, when when people were asking, you know, what is it to be Argentinian? You had this immigrant nation of, you know, I think the figure is that in nineteen eighteen, eighty percent of all people in Argentina had either not been born there or their parents had not been born there. So the indigenous people largely wiped out in the eighteen seventies. You get this great influx of Spaniards and Italians and Northern European Jews and, and Arabs and British and Irish and German and French and, and whatever. And as they're trying to create a society, they have to sort of think, well, what are we? What do we represent? Um, and, and, and football, I think, you know, was quickly realised that was the one thing that everybody agreed on. They all wanted this team in the blue and white shirts to, to win. And so then the way you play becomes an expression of nationhood in a way that kind of is in, in other countries but I think not as directly and not self-consciously so um, I, I, I think almost as soon as I got to Argentina I realised there was there was more than the chapters I was doing for Inventing the Pyramid to be written on it uh, and then it's taken you know, nine years to get that done um, And how different was it sort of writing that compared with with other books that you've written I'm thinking in particular about sort of books that I guess because uh, obviously you've written a fair variety but the kind of um, the things like Behind the Curtain where I guess similarly where you're researching the history of football in a region and having to talk to a lot of people to do it how different an experience was that? Well I think in a sense Behind the Curtain is, is the closest book to this uh, in that it's you know, a combination of, of archival research reading books and talking to people and you know, one of the great things about old Argentinians is they all talk all the time Yeah. so yeah. you, you know you, something like Umberto Mascio, I mean, that interview was, I don't know how many hours long, but sort of five, six hours long. And I remember getting outside, standing on the pavement outside the cafe, and um, uh, and then you know, then the waiter comes comes rushing out saying, oh, you, you know, he wants you to come back in. And um, and Ruli had turned up, so, you know, suddenly there's another hour with, with Ruli as <laughs> racing teammate. Uh, so there was never any sense of, uh, imposing on people, you know, they clearly wanted to tell the stories, and I guess to an extent, it's probably quite flattering if you're, you know, an 80 year old bloke who's largely and not being forgotten about, but who's not not on telly every day, uh, and somebody's come from Europe to 
to, to hear you tell your anecdotes. So in, in, in that sense, the, the research was very easy and, and, and very enjoyable. Um, and I guess Ricardo Pacini was the only person who sort of seemed quite uncomfortable about, the, about being interviewed, and that took, took a huge amount of time to set up. Um, but then there was a lot of going through books, going through um, websites, and in a sense, just, just putting things in order. Uh, and that was something that was different to Behind the Curtain, that because the focus is on one country, it's much easier to, to be chronological about it, just to think this is a complete record. And that, I think, is something... I mean, it's, it's something that... When I was when I first started reading sort of proper books in very commas, so in my, my mid-teens, I read a lot of histories. And I like, you know, I just liked the story. I liked it being in order. And so I, I, I understand why a lot of football books don't do that, that they, they think there's a danger of saying, you know, and, and then they beat Racing, and then they beat Independiente, and then they drew against River. And it's just, this game happened, that game happened, this game happened. And obviously that becomes very boring very quickly. Uh, so you've got to avoid that, but I still think there's a value in in, in just sort of assembling the all the pieces in the right order, so you see what the line of influence is. So that that actually was was the hardest bit, and all, I I I, mean, I think there's a tendency, uh, maybe in South America in general, not to be particularly precise about dates and things. There seems to be a lot of vagueness, and records aren't necessarily kept particularly well. So a lot of you know, quite simple stuff took took quite a while to to, to get right. Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered as well. I, I've I've not managed to get started on it yet. Um, apart from the the early drafts of the the first chapter that you that you sent, and that I never uh, remembered to send you any feedback on. Um, but I was wondering whether you'd sort of got into covering any of the history, sort of off the pitch, and in in particularly in the AFA boardroom, but also regarding the Barra Bravas, because obviously these are. Uh, as you're aware, sort of preoccupations that we have here on Handapod that we talk about almost on a weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the AFA stuff came slightly too late. I mean, the, the more recent AFA stuff with the, you know, the, the ridiculous votes, uh, when was it, last November? Yeah. Um, so it's sort of the last AFA stuff is the death of Grandona, but obviously Grandona's such a huge figure, you can't not talk about Grandona. But the Barris, I mean, I, I kind of find hooligans quite boring. Um, but I, I, I think the same story repeats over and over and over um, with very minor modifications from one country to another. So obviously they're there, um, but they're not... You know, the, the football is the stuff I'm interested in rather than that. Yeah, of I, mean, I, I interviewed Val Gamas, which was fascinating. Um, you know, somebody who, who was a hooligan in the 80s and that famous photograph of him punching an England fan in the Azteca. Um who you know, then becomes peasant of Veles and, and sort of cleans the club up. And I, I think it can take a lot of credit for how well run Veles is in comparison to, to a lot of clubs. So, I mean, he's the sort of, he's the way in, I, I guess, to the Barris issue. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's instances like when the Barris take over uh, Bocca's training ground in 81, was it? When, yeah. when Moscini was a coach and Maradona was there. Um, so, they, yeah, they sort of pop up. But it, it's, you know, I, I think a lot of... Um, sort of more sociological looks of football, focus on fan culture rather than the teams. And that's just not the bit that interests me. I, I, I'm much more concerned about who scored the goals, why did they score, what were the tactics, than, than what's going on off the pitch. But, but yeah, obviously they, they form a backdrop. Sure. Um, did you have any favourite anecdotes that you uncovered whilst you were researching? Um I mean, I, you know, the, the, the bits that are the, the most fun to write are the bits where the politics and the football go together. So, I mean, I think the whole build-up to the um, 78 World Cup 
and that real tension that Menotti clearly felt between um, if they won the World Cup, is it a great thing for Argentina and for the people, or is he somehow legitimising the hunter? And, and something that clearly bothered him a lot. And I think that, I mean, I, I think it's an unanswerable question. I think it's an incredibly uh, difficult issue of to what extent is a team representative of a nation. So you know, the, the 70s, I, I, I really, I mean, to say you enjoy it, it's not quite right because so many of the stories are so terrible, but you, you feel there's a journalistic worth in that. And, you know, some of the sort of, the just the, the, the almost novelistic coincidences, so the fact that uh, the ESMA is, what, less than a mile from the Monumental, and the fact that, you know, prisoners could hear the, the cheers from the stadium. So, yeah, the stuff from the 70s is something I could, could really get my teeth get my teeth into. But actually the, 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 the most interesting bit was probably... Uh, Enrico Herschel, or Enrico Herschel, as he was as he was born, yeah. Um, you, you you were able to help a little bit with this story, but the I mean, as I understand it, the story that's told in Argentina is you know he's this great coach. He, he emerges at Gimnasia, uh, goes to River, wins the two titles in 1936, uh, and then um, is found guilty match fixing in 1943, and leaves with Brazil and then Uruguay, and is a huge influence over the Uruguay team that, that wins the World Cup. While being the coach of, of uh, Peñarol in 1950, and the story that's told is he was part of the Fuentes team, which which toured Argentina in 1929, uh, and that seems to have been completely accepted. And in fact, I wrote that in Dragon Pyramid because you know, every source said, said that was the case. And why would you doubt that? But uh, you know, I thought doing this book, he's somebody who I need to go into more detail on. He's somebody who doesn't there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of material on him. And so I went to Fuentes and they said never heard of him, never played for us, <laughs> not in any of our records. So I managed to get in touch with um, the oldest surviving French player. Who, he's not surviving anymore. He died in February. French Rudash, who I think ninety two, ninety three, something like that, when he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was still you know, very sharp. And he said, "Nope, never heard of him." And I, you know, he said he would have heard of him. So he uh, yeah, was very, very weird. <laughs> and then a series of incredibly fortunate coincidences, uh, and also mates of mine being incredibly talented. In Budapest, in in um, uh, Gothenburg, in um, in Vienna, uh, in, in Buenos Aires, in San Paulo, we managed to track this guy down up to a point, and we we then found his his daughter. He was still a, a practicing psychoanalyst in Buenos Aires, and she has all these cuttings to his career. And you see you see the lie. Lies may be too pejorative a word. You see the uh, the story building that. It starts out of, oh yeah, he played for Ernst Rausch, or he played for Hakura, this, um, uh, I mean, a team based in Vienna, but they had a sort of New York branch who was set up to um, promote muscular Judaism and to raise funds for Zionism. And it, it, it appears that, well, in fact, it doesn't appear, we, 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 I've now proved, I think, that in 1929 he was in Sao Paulo and um, he met Bella Gutman in Sao Paulo. Uh, Bella Gutman, who went on to be the coach of Benfica when they won the European Cup twice, brilliant coach, brilliant figure in, in football, um, played for Hungary in the 1924 Olympics, and he, he was playing for Hakor on this tour, and um, Herschel went up to him and said, look, you've got to help me, I, I, you're a Budapest Jew, I'm a Budapest Jew, I've got no money, and I need money to get my wife and daughter up, over from, from Hungary, uh, can you give me a job? And uh, Gutman says, well, you what, 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 what do you do? And he says, well, I'm a butcher, I'm a semi-professional footballer, but I think I give good, really good massages because I'm used to handling meat. 
So Gilbert says, okay, give me a massage. He says, the best massage he's ever had. So he gets taken on as a masseur for, for Hakor, and that's how he arrives in, in Buenos Aires. And obviously, because he's seen around the team, um, he sort of gains a certain credibility and sort of thought he must be on the coaching staff. And that appears to be how he blags himself a job with Gymnasia two years later. But then Gutman tells a story which, I mean, may or may not be true. I, I suspect it's slightly exaggerated, or, or well, maybe it's completely untrue, but at the very least it's slightly exaggerated, that um, Herschel's aim was to get sacked. He wanted to be sacked as quickly as possible, get the payoff, uh-huh. and get his wife's order over and be the best. And you look at what he did, you know, he, he sold for, or he got rid of four of the best players, he started playing youth team players, he starts playing players out of position, they only win three of the first 16 games that season, and then suddenly something clicks, and they start winning, they finish seventh, which you know, for him now is obviously a, a great result. So you then have the question of, well, was he a genius whose methods took time to, to work, or did he get incredibly lucky? I mean, it's basically the plot of the producers, but in football. Yeah. Um, and then the next season, Imnazia probably would have won the league. And then uh, there's two games towards the end of the season. They play San Lorenzo and Boca in successive games. Clearly get stitched up by referees. I mean, you know, newspapers of the time are absolutely clear on that. They're just some terrible refereeing. And so they don't win the title, but that's what gets him the river job. Um, but he, you know, he, he's somebody who, who just sort of seems to evade the public gaze at all times. He's very, clearly a very charismatic man. You see photographs of him, very tall man. Um, but you, you can sort of tell from, from a disposition of photographs that players are sort of hanging on his every word. Um, but there's sort of very strange sort of dark side to him. Uh, that the, the team he played for in Budapest, the only team I've been able to f- prove con- you know, conclusively he played for, was Hussos, which was a, a second division team, semi-professional, the team of the meat industry, which confirms this idea he was a butcher. Although his daughter denies that, says that you know, he was from a well, you know, very well-to-do family that he wouldn't have worked as a butcher, which seems very odd, but he played for Husos. But then Husos had kicked out of the Hungarian League in 925 for match-fixing. So you then get uh, 943, um, but he, he bribes, a, I think it was a goalkeeper, Murakan, and is banned for life from Argentinian football. So it's, at the very least, that's an interesting coincidence that twice in the space of 18 years he's involved in match-fixing cases. Mm. You know, whether he's guilty or not, whether he's involved at all, in Hussosh, we, we don't know. But it's that, that that's interesting. Was you know, was he a match fixer? Um, and then his daughter said you know he had these uh, loads of scars on his chest and a, a, a bullet hole in his wrist. And it turns out that he, when he was sixteen, he, he lied about his age and signed up with his elder brothers to fight under British command in Palestine against the Ottomans. So you know he's a war hero as well. So. An absolutely extraordinary figure who I mean I really wanted to do more research into, but um, you're one of those people who you just think you got the story right, and then somebody comes up with another bit of information which casts everything in a, in a new light. So that that I think is is research that nobody's done before, and that you know, when you know you're finding stuff out that people don't know already, rather than just sort of putting it in context or trying to find a new detail when it's completely new, you know, that's the stuff that feels really valuable. Yeah, and, and this guy, as well as the obvious influence that you mentioned on, on Uruguay and everything, he also, also, when he was at River, essentially laid the groundwork for what would then about a decade later become La Máquina as well. Yeah, um, the, uh, his, his use of a W defence, I think, was, was hugely significant uh, you know, yeah, through the 40s and 50s and, and you know, in sort of developing the golden age. Mm. Um, 
So the final question, John, is, uh, well, we've not actually mentioned the title of the book yet. Um, so what's it called and how can our listeners get hold of it? It's called Angels with Dirty Faces, uh, which obviously was the, the nickname of the 957 side uh, that won the Campanella's Americana, the Les Karasukias, um, which you know, I think you can say is the, the, the greatest and final flowering of, of, of that um, very, I mean, the sort of bohemian style of a golden age. Uh, so, so in a sense, that's, that, that, that's the ideal to which uh, all the Minotti's and that side of the equation are, are harking back. And it's what's then completely rejected after the defeat in Helsingborg to Czechoslovakia in, in, in 958. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people get it? Uh, in Argentina, I have to say, I, I haven't a clue, but it's available on Amazon or you can get it from orionbooks.co.uk, the, which is my publisher's website. There is a US edition, which um, has no use in it and is significantly shorter than, than the UK version. So you can get that from Amazon.com. Uh, if you want the, the, the hardback version with the extra 35,000 words, with, you know, which is the UK version, Amazon.co.uk. Or, in theory, any bookshop should be able to order it. Uh, if they're on the, on the Nielsen network, then, then they, they should be able to get it for you. So essentially any place where you buy a book should be able to, 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 to find it for you. Not the most difficult of questions to answer that last one, was it? Uh, Jonathan Wilson, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Hope that the book sells well. Um, and look Cheers. forward to seeing you when you're next down here. I think I'll be over in March. So yeah, hopefully I'll see you then. Brilliant. Cheers. Bye for now. Okay. Cheers. Bye. It occurred to me that really I should have ended that section just prior to the interview with Mr Wilson by asking what we think the league table is going to look like at the end of the season, whether the season ends in June or December or May 2018 or whatever the hell it ends up being played. Um, Title favourites from a handful of clubs, gents, who do we think? Well, I believe Lennox will still have... Uh, a good season if they keep working like they do um, I like the the way Coded make central play so that mm-hmm. depends a lot of course in Teotihuacan's scoring or depending on other matters but I think the those two and maybe one of the big names but it's hard to tell which one um, depending on how well the, the signings the Boga made or River made, I think that those are the two with with the biggest biggest um, possibilities according to its transfer and, and maybe the managerial names. Yes, I I say the same mostly the same like him. Uh, I think Lanús hasn't uh, there there weren't a lot of players that left. Uh, only Ayala and uh, Gustavo Gomez as, as the main ones, and then. Uh, well, I like the way they played and the way they they got the the championship, and then the the the, the, the big fives, uh, mostly Boca because of the signings, and then well River Racing Racing I think that they, they also made good good signings and Central of course, mm. 
because uh, I, I like a lot of people doesn't like him and I like Odette uh, and so that will be the most for me the candidates and, and, and another 30 team can tournament which is for me hilarious and and that will make of course the lot of that will make it that the, the big gap continue between the the big and the, and the small ones yeah I, I would um, largely agree I would say River Boca Central Racing are, are going to be among the front runners the main reason I'm picking those four out um, Lanús obviously as well and possibly San Lorenzo but the main reason I'm picking the other four out is that the other none of the other four so far at least are qualified for the Copa Libertadores um, which is going to have a big effect on the title race if if any of the um, teams involved are in that title race the others um, the Argentine side so far in next year's Libertadores um, are Lanús San Lorenzo Estudiantes and Godoy Cruz as well as whoever wins the Copa Argentina um which is now getting into the quarter-final stage, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and if the winners of the Copa Sudamericana are Argentine, then they will go in as well. In fact, if they're not Argentine, they'll go in as well. But obviously, if they're Argentine, then, then it enters into our discussion. Um, so uh, I can't remember who it was from the league, but it's one of the... Um, I think it's Godoy Cruz, isn't it? Who um, have to hope that the winners of the Copa Sudamericana are not Independiente, Belgrano or Banfield. Because if the other three who could qualify ahead of them are all already in yes. the Libertadores. And the ones who are not qualified to the Copa, like River and Boca, for example, if Estudiantes, who is about to play now, uh, win the Copa Sudamericana, they must reach the finals, not to be the champions of the Copa Argentina, to get the, the ticket to the Copa Libertadores. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to add a little bit about, about Racing. You both sure. put yeah, yeah. Racing in the... Um, on the candidates, I think that depends a lot of how f quickly they, they sort if Ubedar's going to stay, if Zielinski is going to come in to manage. Mm -hmm. I think that that's key, especially in the, in the first few games. Yes, because the, 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 the Victor Blanco, the president, has the idea of Ubedar to continue, to continue as, the, as, the, as, the, as the coach. Of course, the results are, are, are okay because uh, Saba has been sacked because of the, of, of the results. and. And Ubeda, and then if, if uh, Ubeda isn't okay, will be Silinski, which is uh, different to Coca and uh, and Saba, the ones who have been recently the, the coaches. So it's uh, like a big salad in Racing. And, um, but if, if Ubeda starts with a good uh, play and good results, uh, I put will put him and us, put mm. Racing as a candidate. Whoever ends up being Racing manager is going to have a plenty of sort of raw material to work with, but obviously you're quite right that it does depend how they hit the ground running. Um, after letting Salah go a week before the season was supposed, well, three days in fact before the season was originally supposed to start. Um, moving swiftly on now to national team stuff, because as I mentioned earlier, next week I'm going to be, this time next week, I'm going to be in Mendoza, so we're not going to be recording a hand of pot next week. So Argentina have home tie against Uruguay, um, which is going to be my chance to complete my collection. I will have seen Argentina in the flesh against all of the other Commonwealth nations um, by the time that match is over, because the only time I've not seen them before was against Uruguay, and that was because they played that one in Mendoza, and I didn't get accredited for it and didn't get expenses paid, whereas this week, next week, that's exactly what's happening. Um, so thank you very much, ESPN, for sending me. 
and um, hopefully it's a good game. They give you a, a budget to, to buy wine or something? Or no, I don't think so, no. They're paying for the coach in the hotel. But that will be good. Possibly. For anyway, you go after the match, not before. Oh, of course, yeah. No, I'm going to have uh, probably most of the, the following day to pick up wine and maybe do a tour before getting the coach back here. Um, anyway, on to the football. So home against Uruguay and then away to Venezuela. And the main talking point here, of course, is the fact that these are Edgardo Balsa's first two matches in charge and also the first two matches of Lionel Messi's return to the national team. It's almost as if he's never really been away, isn't it? And the first two matches with him blown. Hmm. Nobody cares, but Precisely. let's say it. Um, how do we think they're going to go? And, and how do we think the, the sort of... The, what are the main pressure points on Bausa in particular for you guys? Well, I think the, the Argentinian fans, they're going to learn a bit the lesson. You know, like, don't be too harsh on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to sound like, eh, nobody remembers, remembers the second... Or stuff, but it's hard without uh, a really um, organized national uh, organization, even if that sounds weird, uh, to, to to reach so many finals in so so little time. I it's so uh, Bosa is clearly trying to to find uh, a balance between what everyone wants to to see in the national team and trying to to give uh, his. Um, Ideas in football. That's maybe why Iwain is not there. Also, because he didn't want to. But probably something of like of an arrangement between them. So it's a bit above trying to see how well suffer at the beginning and try to not be so short on the patient side of of the fans. That's also why they play in Mendoza, I guess, mm-hmm. to try to. to Feel the pressure, and also to make it difficult for the Uruguayan fans to travel. That that was uh, quite yeah. transparently why they did it the first time round. So Clearly, it's so it's, it's a bit of of many many points. I guess mainly the Argentinian people have to be more patient with the national team, especially with the results. You you don't get to to not lose three finals in some kind of weird way. Yeah, um, the squad itself. For the most part, looks very similar to this uh, the sort of squad that um, either of Bowser's two immediate predecessors might have named. Until you get to the strikers, where it is somewhat different. So let's read it out. Um, in goal, we've got Romero, Guzman, and Anduja. The defenders are Mercado, Roncaglia, Mas, Otamendi, Musacchio, Ramiro, Funet Mori, of course. Uh, Rojo, Demichelis, and Sabaleta in midfield. Although, as I've said before. Personally, I hope the first name that I'm about to mention ends up playing in defence. Um, we have Mascherano, Craneviter, Fernandez, Biglia, Banega, Pastore, Di Maria, who is listed as a midfielder here at least, uh, Lamela and Gaetan, and up front we have Lionel Messi, Aguero, Dybala, Correa, Prato, and Alario. So the two Lucases in um, to replace Gonzalo Higuain. And somebody else who would have been rather a squad player. Yeah, probably. Um, do we hope that either Prato or Alario actually get some minutes, or is this largely going to be a case of maybe Aguero as a number nine with, say, Messi and Dybala on either side of him, do we think? Or Messi and Correa, perhaps? Probably. I don't think that Prato and Alario is going to have many minutes. Maybe if there's a, like an emergency, like losing three nil to Venezuela and there's 30 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more like 
uh, experiment, especially in, in training. I, I think it's more something like that. Mm-hmm. Prado yeah. could be, uh, uh, he also suggested that why not uh, including Prato, Di Maria, Messi, and Aguero in the starting lineup. Uh, that will be initially an offensive, of course, formation. Uh, perhaps oh, oh, not the, the the one that one should think about Bausa, who uh, not uh, not the same, but uh, I look similar to to Sabella's way of or style of playing. Uh, to think first of an a balanced team than an attacking one, but uh, apparently he said he didn't confirm, hasn't confirmed that he will uh, put all of, of all of those players together. But uh, at least he suggested it. Mm. Yeah. So not Alario, but Prato could be, would be surprisingly, but uh, uh, a surprise. But uh, I like Alario and Prato to be to be called up to change some of the yeah the same players every time. And Prato, I think, is deserved because he has been doing great in, in Mineiro, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And Alario, the same in River. Not right now, but yes, he has been uh, great in the last last uh, year. I'm just trying to remember, and that's the clicking that listeners can hear at the moment. Um, exactly where Uruguay and Venezuela are. Well, I know where Venezuela are. I'm trying to remember exactly where Uruguay are in the World Cup qualifying at the moment. Um, the table at present involves Venezuela at the very bottom with one draw, five defeats from their opening six matches. Uruguay, of course, at top. That's, I should have remembered that, shouldn't I? Um, four wins, one draw, one defeat. Joint top with Ecuador, but slightly ahead of goal difference. And Argentina, of course, had a relatively um, uninspiring start to qualification with that defeat at home to Ecuador. Uh, but have since picked themselves up in a third at the moment. Um, could leapfrog Uruguay and Ecuador with victories if they get them. Uh, in fact, they will leapfrog Uruguay, of course, with a victory because they're playing Uruguay um, and end up top uh, after the double header finishes. What do we think that the results are, are, are going to end up being, though, gents, in these two games? In Venezuela, it has to be a win, right? I know well, yeah, Venezuela possibly. have beaten Argentina once recently. Yes. Um, but every other game that those two sides have played has been resulted in a, a thundering win for Argentina. So you would expect it, at least. I know that it's early days in Bowser's management. There's going to be a lot of pressure. It's first away match and everything. But with the, the start that Venezuela have made to qualifying, you wouldn't expect it to stretch Argentina that much, would you? I, I, I preview uh, a, a, a tight win against Uruguay, perhaps 1-0, and... and Perhaps a, a two goals difference against Venezuela. Um, Uruguay is, is involved in a scandal related to their to their equipment, to their oh, t-shirts. Yeah. yeah, tell us about this. Uh, Andres told me about this just before we started recording. So. Yes, I, I don't know how this will reach the the, the, the the matches that Uruguay has to play, but they have uh, been uh, the, the the players, the players of the Uruguay national team. Uh, released a letter in which they are complaining about their their equipment they are they are wearing uh, they want Nike to to be the the, the brand that that uh, well uh, signs a contract with with the uh, Uruguayan federation and in, in, instead of Puma who is the the the, the, the actual uh, brand that because they play they pay more money much more money that of course uh, uh, will uh, help to develop the, the 
football in Uruguay, but uh, there is a, a strange uh, uh, deal with the, the Tenfield, which is the the, 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 the channel yeah, that broadcasts yeah. yeah, the matches. And there, with this uh, scandal, there was there has been a, a, a they voted for this, and apparently Nike was the winner with this votation. The, the, the they chose Nike instead of Puma, who is the, the the actual one, and we will have to see how this ends in the in the, in the team in the national team uh, of Uruguay. This affects so or not? Was the vote? Like what was this? The Uruguayan Players Union, or was it the the, the national team players themselves who? No, the, there was like a, a, all the Uruguayan football voted about this, and the result was that uh, for nine to uh, ten to nine, I think, mm-hmm. very tight. But uh, for ch- to change the the brand, mm-hmm. the, the the one who uh, signed the contract with the federation to uh, have their T-shirts and uh, well the equipment. Uh, so we will have to see this. There was a big, big uh, difference between what Puma is paying, paying right now to the sum of money that Nike uh, should pay. Uh-huh. It's very, very. Uh, I think it's f- uh, 1.5 million per year to 300 thousand dollars. It's uh, something like that. Wow, wow. that's very little <laughs> yes. for for Hawaii. Yes. Anyway, uh, um. I think that the first match maybe in, in a draw because of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bausa debuting and Uruguay clearly having a, I don't know, best playing, but better playing in the Argentina right now. Um, I would have to see how the, the emotional um, component goes in there with, with a more supporting. Uh, set of fans than in Buenos Aires and obviously I think that they're going to win against Venezuela but you know it's football and I will laugh if we win, lose to, to Venezuela of course because that's what we do we, we laugh well you might do sadly not enough people do um, <laughs> not everybody has that healthy an outlook uh, we will move straight on to listeners questions we're going to whip through these some of them of course we'll already have answered because as ever with season preview episodes uh, we have a fair few questions about signings. Um, Chris Hartley, first of all, with Gio Simeone living, leaving River for Genoa, do you think he's ready for Serie A? Nope. Well, uh, he was ready for Banfield, but I don't know if he will for, for Serie A. Well, you can, you can compare Banfield to Genoa, in a way. Can you? Yeah. And they're not as good. Yep. <laughs> um... I think that one thing that, that we found out from him really when during his spell at Banfield is that he's a confidence player. Um, he never really got a good run in the team at River. He never fully felt like he had the manager's confidence and so he scored very intermittently and when he got to Banfield, Matias Almeida told him, you're my main striker, I'm going to put you up front every match. Just go out and play your game. And surprise, surprise, he improved hugely. Um, so if Genoa are going to you know, stick him up front, Regularly, it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see him doing well. At the same time, I sort of doubt whether that's going to happen right away. So it could go either way. Um, Chris also says, where does this leave River in terms of options up front? Well, the same place they were before, really, because he wasn't playing for them last season. Um, La Rondo has come in. Alario is staying for the moment. We have uh, to see more. Fernando Caminaki's left. 
like for us. Has he left? Has he left? Yeah. Yeah, 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 y
If you can't hear that, then... Uh, it's a thrash here. Apologies, but hopefully it's not too loud for you to hear us over it. Um, Darren also says, does the Argentine media go overboard on how footballers should be like Olympic athletes, as they do in the UK? No, they don't. <laughs> um, and did I follow River prior to moving? Yes, I did, because I came here uh, for the first time on holiday in 2003 and went to a match, and that was why I subsequently stuck with them. Um... Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me, says, not seen Rossi feature yet for River. Is he injured? He has been with some sore throat or... Didn't uh, he first with the Copa Argentina, though? Yes, but before uh, the previous match, uh, they played against Atuante de San Luis, uh, and, and he, played, he didn't play there, but he played against Sportivo Rivadavia, I think, the uh -huh. previous match. Ah, uh, right. he, that he entered into the match wasn't uh -huh. a, in a starting lineup. And as you say, he's had a cold or something, so he's not been training properly more recently. Yes, he has been with some problems, but uh, well, don't know. It's same as Mora, uh, that they were with some problems, and well, we don't know that whether they will be there or not in the in the bench or not. Yeah, and Liam also asked Lolo or Mina to partner Maidana at centre back for River. Lolo. When Lolo you know, is back, Lolo. probably Lolo and what Mina's been signed as uh, backup centre back. It's an interesting one. Isn't yes, it? yes. Yeah, uh, he made had a good intervention against Santa Fe last I think, week. I think the other thing is that he's. I, I think he's slightly younger, whereas obviously Maidana's twenty nine, thirty now. So mm -hmm. um, it, Mina might have been signed. I don't know how long his contract is, but he might. Have been and signed apart from that, River has no centre backs right now. Uh, an amount of centre backs. And that's true, of course, yeah, because Mamada's left, Balanta's left, so yeah, they're, they're relatively. And anyway. Vega he was going to apparently was going to leave uh, Nielsen loan, who is another project, and what well, apparently won't be there anymore. Richard Wyatt asks, does Mauro Formica play in Argentina now? And is he any good? He was rubbish at Blackburn. Um, he does. He's playing for Newell's Old Boys. Although, for the most part, he doesn't play for Newell's Old Boys. Because um, he didn't make very many appearances, yeah. if any, last season. Um, he signed back for them about a year ago, I think, didn't he? Yes. From Pazazul, uh, perhaps? Yes, Pazazul. Yeah. Well done. Yes. He's... I, I liked him before he left Argentina. I have not seen much of him since he came back, because as I say, he's not played very much. At Blackburn, he was somewhat hindered by, um, if I remember rightly, the manager at the time was Steve Keane, calling him the new Gabriel Batistuta when he signed for Blackburn. Well, I am looking at the one who called him the, the Caca Rosarina. Yeah. The Caca from Rosario. <laughs> um, and obviously, as Blackburn fans later found out, he's doesn't play in the same position as Batistuta, isn't the same build as Batistuta, isn't the same kind of player as Batistuta, so God knows why Steve Keane said that, but it, um, in my opinion, that shot him in the foot. Before Just because he, it's Argentinian. Really. Yeah, exactly. Does he have any other reference? Don't he's, care. he's a tricky, creative midfielder, and Steve Keane said that right before he made his debut. Don't care, perhaps. The same. Oh, that's true, yeah, the hairstyles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so I would not judge him on his time at Blackburn. I think that's uh, a little harsh, although obviously inevitable, um, particularly for Blackburn fans. Um, but no, he's not been playing very much since he moved back. I don't know whether he's been injured or whether he just couldn't get in the Newell's team. But if you can't get into Newell's team at the moment, it's not very promising. Um, Liam Kelly is back again and says teams to get relegated. Rafaela Assert, right? To be honest, I've not looked at the relegation table. Let's have a very quick look at it now. It's um, going to one. They're going, going to, to relegate, right? Four. Two, two, I think four. two and four. four uh, no, no, four relegations and two uh, promotions, uh, I think. I love Argentinian football. Or no, or no, or it would be one and next season, if there is a, a next season, 
uh, would be for. I'm having to load. Yeah. Uh, the I love the conditional. Say. It is going to be a next season. Yes. That's maybe the the main question right now. I'm having to load a separate website to uh, get this because Universal Football, for some reason, doesn't have the relegation tables I up think at the moment. Up. Um, yep. Come on, load down here. I'm trying to get through these quickly. So the standings at the moment are down, 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 down. Um, four, four yeah. teams yes. going down with obviously. <laughs> Tacheres is the one promoted side um, at the bottom of it. But yeah, after that, Atletico de Rafaela, uh, the only team with less than a point a game. And Tempele have only got one point per match so far. So those two are going to be needing to do a lot to get back up, particularly because just outside the relegation zone, Olimpo have um, rather comfortable advantage. And Colón, oh, there's a bit of a... It's going to be an interesting... Lot, but I would say Atletico de Rafaela are definitely going down. Temple are going to have a real uphill struggle, and beyond that, it's it, it Sarmiento, be, perhaps. I mean, the other two could be any two of like the bottom seven or eight or so of that table. I will um, say ten. You never know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> true. I mean, so let's let's go. If, if we go from twentieth down in the currently in the relegation table. Um, you've got Arsenal, Vélez, Huracán, Defensa y Justicia, Colón, Quilmes, Olimpo, Sarmiento, Tempele, Atlético de Rafaela, and Tacheres. And you can add up like, you know, San Martín de San Juan, and yeah. yes. Godoy, well, not Godoy Cruz, but maybe Colón. We have to remember Sarmiento saved, saved their spot in, in Primera with Caruso. Caruso is not anymore there, so I... I They're going to come back when, <laughs> when yeah. they're in trouble. True. Um... Uh, Liam says, "Do you think that the that Latte will hold their own?" Mm, I don't think so. I mean, just they have money. That's that's the advantage with the other teams uh, fighting relegation. They have money. If they're in trouble, they're going to come in January and try to save yeah. the, the day. That that's the only leverage they have against any other team. They have enough money to salvage the season if it's possible, but it's going to be really hard on them. Uh, and Liam says he fears for Belles and Newells. Belles, I would definitely agree with, and in fact, Newells are only three points above them, even though they weren't one of the names I just read out in the bottom ten. So, either of them could go down if they don't improve sharpish. Um, and now... Oh, these are just two... Um, Oh, that's just a mention from you, Tony, to say that you were coming on to record. Thank you very much. So that's no, all no of the questions. Uh, right now, we're going to get done very quickly, because already this is turning into a long podcast, as our previews always are. Um, I'm going to play Mystic Sam's theme music, and when we come back, I shall tell you precisely what's going to happen this weekend, or possibly in three or four weeks' time, depending on when the season actually gets started. Um, and, of course... As ever, listeners, or rather as we did last championship, um, you are invited to send in your predictions for future weeks yourselves so that I don't have to do it every week. Please volunteer by tweeting to handoffpod um, or contacting me on the contact form. Please check that uh, we have a vacancy for the upcoming weekend before sending your stuff. But obviously you have a couple of weeks um, to get round two in because we assume that there aren't going to be matches during the international break. In any case, here's Mystic Sam's theme music, and afterwards you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions. My predictions for this weekend, and I am making these up as I read out the fixtures. Um, 
having uh, you've already seen how much attention I was paying to the transfer market over the winter, um, because I didn't really know what was going on for most of the first half of the episode, so good luck to myself with these. Um, we begin the season with a really thrilling matchup between Samiento and Arsenal de Saroni. I'm going to go for an Arsenal victory for that one. Um, I'm going to go for Godoy Cruz to beat Huracan in Mendoza, also on Friday evening. Gimnasia versus Veres Sarsfield, I'll say a draw. Rosario Central, I think you're going to get a home win over Defensa y Justicia. Racing to beat... Ta no, actually, hang on, no, it's Racing. So I'm going to say draw at home to Tacheres on Saturday. Sorry, Racing fans. Atletico Tucumán against Atletico de Rafaela in the Clásico de los Atléticos. Um, which is not a Clásico, it's just a joke. Um, I'm going for a draw in that one as well. San Lorenzo to beat San Martín de San Juan, even though they looked rather uninspiring last night against Banfield. Tigre versus Estudiantes de la Plata, going for an Estudiantes victory there. Um, on Also on Sunday, sorry, Tigre Estudiantes was the first Sunday match. The second Sunday match is Quilmes versus Newell's Old Boys, and I'm going to go for a Quilmes win. Belgrano versus Independiente, I'll go for a draw. Union to lose at home to Olimpo. So an Olimpo victory there. River Plate to beat Banfield. I'm going for Lanús to beat Boca. First versus Boca finished second last season, right? Uh, no, San Lorenzo. They were in the yeah, final. played the final, yeah. Yes. Oh, of course they did. Silly me. Yeah, oh, Boca yeah, finished mid-table in there, bro. Uh, Champions versus one of the two biggest clubs in the country. Then I'll try and rescue from what I almost said there. Um, I'm going for Lanús to beat them. Uh... Aldo Civi against Colón will be a draw. Tempele versus Patronato de Paraná will be a... Let's see, Patronato did surprisingly well last season, didn't they? Let's go for a Patronato win. Um, and that's your lot. Gents? Well, I'm gonna... I'm gonna sorry. The, I'm, I'm gonna put a, a, a few comments in, in a kind of, of, of a bet mm -hmm. of the team of my province to, to Patronato. And they're gonna get to the Sudamericana. And if I don't, I'm gonna pay a big sum. Okay. Well, this is actually a record of this, so yeah. I probably won't, in fact, remember that, but Tony has offered to pay one pizza, or, or are you offering to take the whole Hunter Pod team out for pizza? Yeah. Really? Yes. That's very generous of you. We shall copy it in, in uh, next June, if we remember. Um, we shall see whether Patronato managed to get a Sudamericana spot or not. Um, gentlemen, for now, thank you very much for uh, coming on to record. Thank you for sticking around this late as well, because it is now 10 o'clock. Um, And as we started, or pretty much started, with a loud engine outside, we end with a motorbike uh, engine going past far too noisily. Um, gents, thanks very much for joining me. I'll see you again in two weeks' time, not in one week's time. Um, thanks for recording. Oh, enjoy Mendoza. Um, for now, listeners, and thank you very much. Uh, for now, listeners, uh, it's thank you and good night from Tony. Thank you, everybody, and try to come back as soon as I can. And from Andres. Thank you and goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. We will end this evening's uh, podcast by letting you know that Estudiantes won 1-0 at home to Belgrano in the Copa Sudamericana uh, preliminary round first leg. <laughs>